Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Is it time to make a change? Do you see the change coming? Are you afraid? Are you scared? Michelle Woodward is back, my guest co-host, my monthly guest co-host. Love that she comes, and I know you do too. And she came up with six questions to ask yourself when you want to make a change. So go ahead and listen to this conversation we have, and I will circle back afterwards. Thanks so much for listening today. Michelle Woodward, hello and welcome back, my friend. Hello. So today we're going to talk about the six questions to ask yourself when you, when you want to make a change. I just find, I don't know if you see this in your work, I find people who have this inkling, they have a little idea, or maybe they have more than a little idea. You know, something's got to change. I know something's got to change. Change is coming or it's already come, but they feel it and they don't know how to do anything with it. Um, they just don't know where to turn first. Have you seen that? Yes, it's a scary thing. It's totally freaking scary. So I sat down yesterday or day before and and really thought, okay, so what what can't what is the best thing a person can do when they realize change is on its way or it's already arrived? And you know, because of the kind of work that we do, the first thing I I thought was the question is, what are my values right now? Mm. And you know, you and I have talked about values and either just such a critical thing to be aware of and even when I say values, people don't always know exactly what I mean by that because, you know, is it traditional family values and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's really the values are that those, those things that allow you to be fully yourself and in your, in your best self all the time. How, how do you define your va- values? You probably have a more succinct uh, definition than me. Oh gosh, that's such a hard question. How do I define my values? It's it's my way of being. It's uh, the way I show up in the world. Um, that's my values. It's the foundation. It's the the elements that are the foundation of my personality and myself. So, for instance, I because I can never create um, any kind of tool without doing it myself. So, for instance, my values are around leading, Mm -hmm. learning, um, teaching, love and compassion. These are just words I wrote down. Um, Generosity, sincerity, um, being spiritually based, independence, those sorts of words. But if you really sit down, and I think it's really key to sit down and sort of dissect those and maybe to get them down to your your key ones. And for me, it's leading, learning, love. Because under love is things like gratitude and authenticity and kindness, those things that are really important. But if I get down to those three, you know, learning, there's a teaching element that goes with learning. 
um, leading. There's also a teaching element that goes with that. So to really understand what are my values right now, what are the things that make me really and truly me? And things, I, I think your values are pretty much set in stone, but things come into focus. Like used to have this huge value, as you know, about being a good enough mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now my children don't live at home. So I can still have a, you know, a value around being parent, which for me goes under the love word, because it's a different kind of parenting now than it used to be. Mm-hmm. So, but knowing those values gives me the foundation. So what do you think about starting off with that? Oh, I think values are huge. You have to know your values. And I think it's a word that can be very tossed around, especially in corporate cultures and in organizations. But when you ask people, what are your values? People don't really know. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, is that, and do you think our values are very ingrained in us? Martin Siegelman at University of Pennsylvania, one of the things that um, his research talks about is that, you know, we have these values and they can, they can tweak, right? Cause maybe something happens just like you're talking about as a life changes or as I went through some, uh, a, a struggle, it got really clear to me, like loyalty is a really important value that becomes really important or that people really matter. But a lot of times it's these, when you start to look at over your course of your life, what were the things that were really important? What were the things that you leaned on to get through hard times? you know, to move through. And so for me, like my values are uh, courage, integrity. That's really important to me. Um, curiosity. It used to be really love for learning and I still love to learn, but curiosity is even more so out there. Um, and uh, perseverance. I mean, that makes sense being a swimmer for all these years, you know, and I have good tenacity. So those are my key values. And those really are my guiding light when I get into situations and it's about checking in. Am I aligned with my values? Do my values line up with this organization? Do my values line up over here? And it get, it helps me make such better decisions. So I think that's a great first question. Yeah, because when change comes, whether you know whether change is on its way or change is right here with you, you can say, okay, so how does this change affect my values? Mm-hmm. And like you said earlier, with the corporations, you know, touting values. You know, we we value our people. Our people are our number one asset. But we expect you to pull 12, 13, 14-hour days for no additional compensation, and you can be fired at the drop of a hat. That is not really your people are not a value when you treat them that way. Mm-hmm. And well, so everybody, li- you know, when you say my value is this, but you don't live it, um, you're in a real cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. But th- don't you think that that is – the key, right? Because so often we have these aspired values and then, but then we have how we practice in the world and there's a big disconnect. And so it's about getting aligned and going, okay, are these really these aspired values? Are these really who I am? Or am I thinking this is who I want to be? Yes. And like for my, my leading uh, value, my value to lead. It's something that I've tried not to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I've backed away from because leading is not always the easiest thing on the planet, but I, it always keeps coming back. And so instead of avoiding it, I need to know that I have this. I'm asked this all the time by other people. So why not say yes selectively so I can um, experience this value in action as opposed to just put it off, put it off, put it off. 
So with this, as you're talking about this, it makes, I was thinking this morning, because authenticity and integrity are really important to me. It's really important to me. And so that's how I show up in my life, as you know. And I was thinking about this this morning. I thought, wow, you have to really know yourself and be comfortable with yourself to be comfortable with me because I can really scare people. Not that I come in and, you know, tell you what to do or any of that stuff, but I can be very scary because I'm just very authentic. Yes. What do you think? Yes, I think that's that's really true because not everybody has learned that it's safe and okay to be authentic. And so sometimes a highly authentic real person is a kind of little off-putting because it's like um, when you have friends who say, oh my gosh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I say, they say, I'm sure you're busy too. Like, you know, you know I'm actually, I'm, I'm really engaged mm-hmm. doing great stuff, but I'm not frantically busy. And that is where people look at you like, Wait, you're not you're not saying the right script. Wait, <laughs> it's not that's not right. So, but I so I think really knowing your values allows you to agree to change in a different way, in a different groundedness um, than you might if you if you weren't in connection with your values. And then the second question is, well, I just put it as my beliefs are, but what are my beliefs? Because I have va- we have values. But then we have these beliefs Mm -hmm. and you might have a belief that the world is a hard place and you have to fight for everything you get. Um, You may have a belief there's not enough to go around. Mm -hmm. You could have the belief that everybody's out to screw me, Mm -hmm. right? And so much better to know that those are your beliefs, to put them down on paper and know that than to not know that. Because sometimes when you put them down on paper, you're able to say, wow, do I really believe that? Or if you shared your work with somebody else and they said, really, I'm not there. I mean, my beliefs are the world is a really good place and people are basically good. Mm -hmm. And because I believe that, I experience the world in a different way. And I also have uh, two other things which are, you know, not things that People say, but I also have a belief that I matter and that what I do is important. And I don't think I say that in a really egocentric, uh, narcissistic, um, I'm now running for president way. I'm not doing that. Um, And then, you know, so when I say I matter, it's that I have a voice and I'm here to serve and I'm here to lead. So that's when I say, you know, I really, I matter. And then the third one is I am loved deeply. And just knowing those three things as sort of orienting beliefs in the world makes, as I said before, makes my experience so much different. What do you think? Well, I'm stealing those. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, you know, I mean, I've, I've known people that are like, have, have really challenging beliefs around money. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love money. I know. <laughs> I know you do. But you know what I'm saying? And so because they, they like I talked to a guy this morning, a new client who's in a job that is not right, a not right fit. And it's he knows it's not a right fit. He's been in the job for five years, not right fit. He knew it when he started not right fit. And I said, so why did you overrule your intuition and take the job? And he said, because of the money. And, you know, so that just makes him human. Yay. Right. But if you've got then you say because the money, because you've got some belief, 
people like me don't get rich. I need to get rich so I can take care of my family. Um, you know, work is hard and sucks. So I might as well take a sucky hard job that pays a lot of money. Right. And so those reflect the beliefs that you have. Yep. I have been there. So I totally get that. And so finding out what are, what is it that I really and truly believe in a big picture, I think is a good thing. The third question that I wrote down here is, what do I need to know? Which I thought was a really excellent question. And I put uh, underneath that question, where have I been dishonest with myself? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, And then what is my inner voice saying? So what do I need to know? could be like a really superficial question and like I need to know whether John is quitting his job and leaving right because that means something for me right but really what I need to know is where have I been dishonest I may be dishonest that I actually want John's job mm-hmm. I may be dishonest about um pretending I don't want John's job when I really do want John's job mm-hmm. what do you think I'm where wishing- have you Honest with self. I wish you gave me these questions before the show so I could have all the right answers. <laughs> <laughs> My clients are laughing right now. They're like, ooh, this is happening to Corinne. Um, no, I love these questions. What do I need to know? The dishonest with myself. So here's something that as you're talking about this, this is an example of how, how powerful compassion is, right? Because these aren't judging questions. These are just to help people open up and go, what is inside of you? And, and these are so important because we, we can be, even person like me who integrity is such an important value, I can lie to myself, right? And, and to, to be honest with ourselves and, and to know where we're dishonest, we can unpack that story. And when you can unpack that story, realize that this is what you have been telling yourself Right. Like this, I mean, this is what kept me in my job for so long when I was at the college. It was like, well, this is as good as it gets. I'm just so lucky to be able to have this tenure job. I shouldn't be complaining. Right. I was being very dishonest with myself. This is all that I can do. This is all that I know how to do. And we're sometimes we're dishonest with ourselves because we we want so badly to belong. We want to belong to either a group or to a mindset or we want some sort of affiliation. So we, you know, it would be like the the um, analogy is like smoking cigarettes because everybody who's in the cool kids are smoking cigarettes, right? And really we don't like cigarettes. We don't like the taste of them. We don't like the way it smells. We don't like it in our hair, but we do it because this is what the cool people do. And so sometimes, you know, if you think everybody thinks, uh, you know, eating pizza on Friday night is the right thing to do, but you actually don't even care for pizza. You've been dishonest with yourself if you've been going along. So it can be a real path to freedom. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. That fitting in, you know, to make it look like you're trying to belong. Okay. What's the next question? Um, This is another good one. I think what, what conflict am I avoiding? Ooh. Because I think all of us have, you know, things that we just kind of avoid because we think it's going to be too conflictual or we think it's going to be too hard or we don't feel prepared or we're not ready to face it. 
And again, it change in the context of change, sometimes there's change plus conflict. And we don't want to, we don't want to have that. So for instance, for you, you know, the decision to leave the college, you may have seen that there may be a conflict with what, your mother mm-hmm. or somebody to say, well, what are you leaving a fully tenured job? With the pension. That's what she said to me. That you work so hard <laughs> for, right? And so um, you may have just been avoiding the decision or avoiding coming to terms with it because you thought there's conflict, like right now in my own particular life, I, I am avoiding, although now I'm now that I've done this work on myself, I'm not avoiding it as much, is the idea of moving. Because um, you've been to my house, you've mm-hmm. been a guest in my home, but and I love my house. My house is great and I've lived here 18 years, but it's a house designed for a family. And it's in a neighborhood designed for a family. It's in a school district that is fantastic for families. And I realize on a very heart level that it's time for another family to have an experience of living here. But I have been avoiding it. Mm-hmm. So when I ask this question, what conflict am I avoiding? The number one thing on my list is moving. Mm. But again, from a place of compassion, I can look at that and say, yeah, you are avoiding that. So what's behind that deal? And, you know, what's your biggest fear and where do you think, what do you think might happen and what do you need to know and that sort of thing. So it, just that question, what conflict am I avoiding, allows you to to go into change with a little bit more openness and a little bit more purpose. I love that. Okay, number five. What goals do I want to reach? What goals do I want to reach? So even though change is coming and there may be a little conflict that's coming, what that coming along with it, what what are my goals? You know, what do I really want to achieve? So in the kind of change that hits like a hurricane or a tornado, because we're kind of in tornado season, but it hits like that, you know, it's really everything you can do to focus on just breathing and moving through the day. But if you can toggle up and say, what are my goals? Right in this moment, I know my values, I know my beliefs, done a little exploring. What are my goals right now? What are my big goals? What are my goals for today? What are, what are my goals? I think that also lets you have roots and not lose sight of the opportunity that can sometimes come during change. Okay, so here's a question I have is that sometimes I have uh, clients or even myself who have this idea of what we think we want, this goal, right? And it's not until we start to move in that direction. Sometimes we have to wait till we actually get it. But when we start to move in that direction, we start to realize that really wasn't what I wanted. What are your thoughts on that? That's true because, you know, again, it's what do I need to know? You know, if I don't know anything, if I don't know anything at all, the idea of being a Kardashian seems pretty cool, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, well. right. But but because I happen to have worked with celebrities before, I know what that life is like, what that grueling life is like, what it's like to have a press corps follow every single move. So... The more you know, the more you either say hell yes or you say hell no. Mm-hmm. 
and of course, my view is to to continue to do the things that are hell yes, and to stop doing the things that are hell no. So, I, so I mean, as people move along on the process, is all I was going to say is that they may be finding more hell no's than hell yeses, and that's great because it's clarity. Yeah. So I call that experimenting. So a while back, I had a client who thought that she kind of had always had this dream that she wanted to move to Sonoma, California. It's a great place. It's, you know, and so when she started out, she never wound up moving, but she wound up exploring that option, uh, applied for a job out there. And then she went, wait a second, I'm, I'm not ready to leave. I thought I was, I, I really, that had always been a fantasy and a big dream, but she's like, I'm not ready to. And so one of the things that I tell people is that, you know, whether it's taking a test drive in a car, you don't really know till you go through the experience or going in and experimenting. It doesn't mean, I think we get stuck and this is the fixed mindset of here's the question. I wrote the answer. So now I need to stick with the answer. Right. Right. And you can go test it out. And then if you find, oh, Sonoma's not in where I want to be right now, maybe in a, maybe in a year, three years, five years. So what does that mean? And circle back to that and go, okay, this is what I thought. Now I can cross that off the list. What is the goal that I have now? Right. What was even good about it? What didn't work? Mm-hmm. And from that, what, um, you know, what does that mean for going forward? You know, I saw something recently that the question is not how do we build a new vacuum cleaner? The question is the, what's the best way to clean the floors? <laughs> uh, I love that because, you know, so many of us start out with like, okay, I'm going to move to Sonoma. How do I make that work? When the question really is, how do I get to a place where I can do these things, where I can feel this way, where I can have this experience or these experiences? How do I, you know, if I was going to think of, which I am thinking about removing, you know, how do I get this thing? And all those data points may point to Sonoma It could point to Calistoga. It could point to San Diego. It could point to um, Vermont. And so we set ourselves up to to fail when we say, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like people think I'm going to be the unicorn, right? I'm going to create the video that becomes a viral sensation. I'm going to write the book that's the next Eat, Pray, Love. I'm going to be the unicorn. And the truth is, is that when you set out to become the unicorn, you very rarely become the unicorn. Like that woman who did the Chewbacca mask, right? The, it became this viral sensation and, you know, she was on a lot of TV shows. She, I saw an interview with her. She said she just thought it was the funniest thing ever, so she made a video. <laughs> and I think that that energy of I am so on fire about this and I want to I share this is the thing that makes you the unicorn. But if you fake it, again, back to that integrity piece, you fake it, you're actually saying, how do I build a better vacuum cleaner instead of how do I make a clean floor? You're not saying, how do I make something that goes viral is a different question is, how do I share my passion with the world? Mm-hmm. No, well, that's, that's focusing on the outcome, right? And I think that's where people have to be really careful with goals on that focusing on the outcome and, and also looking at what is the process? What is, yep. what is the process? And how do you feel as you're going through that process? Right. And you, and you may think you know how you're going to feel, but then when you start to go and look, you know, or explore it or experiment, 
that's when you'll start to notice how you feel. And it may be a hell yes, and it may be no way. That's right. No, no, thank you very much. (laughs) No, thank you very much. And so the sixth thing is, what's my vision? And I think it's so important to kind of end up this six questions with that that connection with vision. Vision's different than goals. You know, you might have a goal of how you want to be in this particular moment, in this particular circumstance. That's totally awesome. But my vision is, what is my vision for the way I want my life to be, given this change that has just either on its way to me or has happened, given this, this change, what is my vision? You know, what would be wonderful? Um, whether the changes, you know, the loss of somebody, um, the loss of a job, you know, m- moving, um, you know, not getting an opportunity that you thought you were going to get. I mean, there are a lot of reasons we have change. But to, to touch base with my vision is this, whatever the vision is. Um, and, of course, the, I think it's so important to have a vision where you think about your, your feeling states. You know, the vision of having really deep, committed connections. Like one of the big things, not to make this whole conversation about me, but, um, you know, when I move, I want to I live in a place that's walkable and I want to be friends with my neighbors. I'm friends with my neighbors now, which is a wonderful thing. And it is one of the things that kind of concerns me if I move, how long is it going to take me to be friends with my neighbors? But I have a vision that a successful move is being friends with my neighbors. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, right? Mm -hmm. But it also means that as I look for where I'm going, I'm also checking out what are the communities like? You know, do they have block parties? Do they do, you know, rotating dinners? You know, do people know their neighbors' names? Those are questions I'm asking. Mm -hmm. So why visions after goals? Um, Because I guess I was thinking about it, and, you you know, it's a good fair point and could certainly swap, swap them around. But because I thought of the vision as being the overall unifying thing. And if change is coming, the goals may shift. In other words, I might say my goal for today is to have that difficult conversation with Francie about um, this change, right? I may, my goal today may be to be a person who has integrity during that difficult conversation, and it seems to me goals can sometimes be very short term where vision is like a larger enduring thing. But what do you think? No, I mean, I do think it can go either way. I'm just, it was, it's interesting because I think my, if I, if you had just given me these six questions on an index card and I had to put them in order, I think originally I would have switched the two. When I think about my car buying process that I went through in the last six months, I definitely was a goal to buy a car and I thought I I had kind of an idea what I wanted and it really was the vision that started to change stuff. It gave, you know, because I had this vision at my big, my biggest priority for the car was it had to be 184 inches or, or smaller. That was my, why? Because I want to be able to park easily in downtown Davis. That was my vision. 
<laughs> it, and I wanted to be able to easily park in downtown Davis. And I had a minivan with a, a bike rack on the back. And so it was 201 plus another 12 inches. So 213 inches long. And I was tired of parallel parking that in downtown Davis. That is a barn on wheels. That is not a van. Just <laughs> FY and I. That is, that is tough. But, you know, but I think the thing about goals to me is that goals need to shift depending on the vision. Mm-hmm. And as you get more information, like the question, what do I need to know? As I know more, it may shape my vision and might, might totally scrap my goals. Mm-hmm. Well, originally I was going to buy an Audi Q7. That was what I was going to buy a year cute ago. Cute car. Very cute car. But it has seven seats or eight seats. I just need a car for one. Right. And so, and I looked at how many inches it was. I can't remember, but I think it was about 200. And I thought, well, that doesn't really change anything for me. Why am I doing this to myself? And so then I eventually convinced myself to like the Q5. And that was the new goal. But then when I really got down to like the stories and a lot of stuff you're talking about, the thing I really liked about it, it was the four circles and the grill. Mm. And I thought, I'm going to buy a car because of four circles and the grill. I mean, it's pretty, but when I'm in the car, I don't even see it. And so, again, it was that constant shifting, but paying attention to all the things that you're talking about, like unpacking the stories, you know, paying attention, checking with, does this serve my goals? Does this serve my needs or my vision for how I want to, because I really wanted ease, right? I want to be able to easily get around town and not have to have the hassles of parking downtown because that seemed to be such a, a big issue for me. So it seems like you needed to buy a Prius is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't do the Prius, but I got it. I got a Toyota RAV, so I have a smaller mm, car. Yeah. So it was perfect, right? And I even looked at the Mini Cooper, but I wanted to be up higher. But I really thought about that. And it was so interesting because as you're talking about this, if you asked me six months ago, I remember my mechanic saying, this is what you should go get. And I was like, oh no, you know, I'm not going to do that. And it was so interesting because the last week that I was looking at cars, I went and I test drove the, the, um, the RAV and it has this awesome bird's eye camera. I love it so much. I had a park down yesterday, back, I parked downtown yesterday and I could use that. I was like, this is why I bought this car. What is a bird's eye camera? You get to, you see all your, it's like, seeing your car above your car it's and it's done with basically smoke and mirrors because they have cameras in the front and on the side and on the back and so they're able to show you where you are in the parking space it's the most beautiful thing i love it wow that that one that becoming a big reason why i wanted this car was that it had this capacity and so again it went back to this parking space situation that was so important to me. And I wanted this sense of ease. I didn't want to have to struggle or have to spend a lot of time and energy looking for a parking space that was big enough. I could just kind of zoom in, do my parking and leave. So it worked for me. That's good. But I'm I, glad. But I had to let go. Like I had to keep going back to, okay, what are my goals? What are my goals? What are my values? I mean, it's the stuff that you're talking about in here is I had to go back and ask myself questions. What are my beliefs about this car? Right. And your vision is parking will be a breeze. (laughs) That's your vision. And so as you thought more and more about that, different cars kind of presented themselves. 
and you ultimately found the one and it is a breeze for you. And so that's, you know, that's sort of the promise that I would say to anybody who's really struggling with either initiating a change or responding to a change is that if you kind of look at this, okay, what are my values? What are my beliefs? You know, what is it that I need to know right now? You know, where have I been dishonest with myself? What conflict am I avoiding? What, what, what are my goals and what's my big vision? You're able to kind of move through it with a little more speed, a little more efficiency, a little more kindness, a little more groundedness. And my feeling is you won't wait five or 14 or 30 years to make the change that your heart desires. You know, as you say that, when I think of these six questions, if you are a person who practices this and checks in with yourself with these six questions, you're going to develop a relationship with yourself where you trust yourself. Yes. And that's how you can move through it so much quicker because you trust yourself. You, the, the unpacking happens, but it just happens much smoother because you know, okay, these are my beliefs. These are my values. Right. right. So the first time somebody may be, you know, listener may be writing down these questions. It may take you a few hours to get through this because there's, there's that, there could be that tendency like, I don't know, or I need to have the right answer. There's no right answers. Right. And just sit down and brainstorm. But as you practice this and it becomes more routine and you're more conscious about it and you can trust yourself, you're going to move through faster, don't you think? Uh, absolutely. And you move through it faster. So there's less pain. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you also move through it faster so you can get to the getting, you know, so you can do, you can be in the circumstance, the life that you really want to live, you know, to stay in a job that's sort of meh for five years because of the money. Mm-hmm. It does not feel good in the long run. But Michelle, I mean, we're not taught that you're supposed to feel good in life. Yeah, you're right. Right. But we come to know that that's all that it really is. It's not the, you know, the 1968 summer of love, you know, love the one you're with, but really the, the kind of world that used to say, you know, we, many of our work values, I guess would be the word or, or work structures are created to accommodate the uneducated person who came off a farm or out of a slum to work in a manufacturing plant. And while we still have that in this country, and thank goodness people have the opportunity to work, um, but we also have more, in the United States at least, more people going to community college, more people going to college, more people um, using something other than their muscles. Yet we have this work environment that is created, it's archaic, you know, it's created for a time of life that no longer exists. It's the factory. Yeah. And so now it's really on all of us to create a new way of work that is more relevant to the way we are living our lives and sort of the work we do with our brains instead of our brawn. Um, I had breakfast meetings. So I've already had three clients this morning. I know you're just saying you're awesome, Michelle. But I had a 715 breakfast meeting and we, we got into this conversation is that the old view that every boss needed to see his employees has gone the wayside because you may have a, a virtual team. You know, half of them are in Philadelphia and half of them are in Dallas and, and you yourself are located in Davis. Mm-hmm. That's happening more and more. And it's a good thing, I think. 
Well, the leaders have to be open to that, right? Because if they have a belief system that I need to see you, it's about butts in the seat and we're going to watch the clock, then that's the kind of work environment that's going to be created. They're going to have a really hard time with a virtual team. Exactly right. Right. So again, if that's an important value of yours, know that, know that where you're going to work, what's the value of the company you're going to work for? Right. Right. Do they, do they value autonomy or do they not value autonomy? Are they innovative? You know, are they, are they trying to figure out how to clean the floor rather than just how to make a new vacuum cleaner? Yeah, this, um, these are, these are really great questions for the listeners to go through. And I do, again, I want to say this, there are not right answers. So don't let that stump you. And they are open-ended. And sometimes my clients will like to say, not sometimes, quite often, especially when they're new, I don't know. They like to give me that answer. Right. And I'm always like, well, let's just brainstorm it. Right. Cause I don't know then means like, okay, see, we don't have to, we don't have to look at this, but let's brainstorm it. Just start brainstorming it. I mean, it's you in your journal. It's you in a piece of paper. You can write it in pencil. Just start putting it down and start like Michelle had said about when she goes and looks for a home, right? Another neighborhood to move to. She's going to be paying attention to, do the neighbors know each other's names? Do they do things together? Do they have meals? Right. As you start to write this down, don't you think, Michelle, that people will then start to be able to say, ooh, yeah, this is this is something that's really important to me. This is what I value. Or, oh, that's a great goal to have. I want to have that. Right. Or this is a, th- a component that I can add onto the vision. Or, oh, this is the conflict that I am avoiding. Exactly right. Or I have a belief that I have to um, follow through on everything I commit to. Which is a big one. A lot of people have this, right? This is why we won't let our kid quit, you know, soccer. If they really decide they hate soccer, you've got to stay through the whole season, right? Because you made a commitment, you've got to live up to it. And so for some people who find out when they say, what are my beliefs, that that's my belief. Well, this may be the reason you've stayed somewhere for 14 years. And not to in a in an unloving way, but in a loving way, say, I believe this. And how is it serving me right now? Is it true for me right now that I've got to execute on everything I commit to? Is it in any way holding me back? Is that the conflict that I've been avoiding? In which case, sometimes we need to amend our beliefs, which is a hard thing, but it's a right thing. Well, even figuring out, are those your beliefs or are those somebody else's beliefs that have just been programmed inside of you? Ding, 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 ding. Yes, you win. That's so true. It's so true. So, and, and that, that, I mean, basically what we're talking about is really being conscious of your life, of how, what you think, what you feel, what you believe, what you want. And do you believe you can have what you want? So in my coaching session today, since I'm not telling you who it is, I can tell you this. Um, so in the, in, in this client's values, one key value was the word awake. Um, it was really important for him to be awake. And he was talking about how what mean, being awake meant for him. And in a, he's in a difficult office politics sort of situation. So I said to him, so your homework for the next week is to be awake. It's to be awake, to read the cues, the body language, to read what, what's being said without being said. 
to take in all the information you can take. Your homework is to spend the next week awake. And I actually thought it was such an elegant home, homework assignment because it's, it's, it's just shifting into a deeper consciousness, which is going to yield for this particular client such an important week. Um, things are going to just get really super clear simply because he's reminding himself to be awake, which is a key value. That's such a great homework assignment. I'm just saying. It's awesome. So, Except I don't like the word homework. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's something to focus on. But, uh, you know, it's this yeah. the quick. No, I short. know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listener, she just schooled me and I got it. So I got the message. No more homework when I'm talking to this one. Okay. Yeah, it's all good. That was just an aside from me to all the listeners right well, there. awake. Yeah. I mean... That's not a beautiful, that is a beautiful word. That is a beautiful word. And that is a lot of energy. And if you really sat there and took in that information, holy moly, I would need to really spend a lot of time by myself. I know. And I can't wait for the next coaching session, right? I just cannot wait because I'm going to hear about the awake experience. Yeah, that will be really eye-opening. <laughs> wow. Um, so... The- Awake is great. We're not awake. The majority of humans are not awake. We're not awake. And in in, to, in our fairness, I remember there was some Super Soul Sunday, and I don't know who Oprah had interviewed, but this guy's written 35 books on mindfulness and consciousness. And, and she said, well, how often are you mindful? Are you like mindful all the time? And he said, he goes, well, I'm mindful about eight hours a day. He goes, 24 is a lot. I work on about eight hours a day. And that gave me such peace of mind because... It, again, it could, you know, I could step into that perfectionism so easily yeah. and, and to realize that, okay, you know, eight hours a day, if you're mindful, that's quite a bit. Yes. And, and sometimes you may not even have that capacity for that and realizing that and, um, and then, or like I said, if I were awake like that, I would need to spend a lot of time alone to process that. And that's my own self-awareness of myself. Yes, and the alternate, you know, of being not awake, of being walking, sleepwalking through your life. Um, you know, you when you get to the end of a, a life that's been led by sleepwalking, you don't have time to do the things you want to do. You know what I mean? Uh, you don't just say, oh, now I'm 97 years old. I think I'll climb Kilimanjaro, mm-hmm. right? You, you need to be alive and awake to that now in your life and, and face the change head on um, because you don't have a lot of, you may not have a lot of time. Yeah. We don't know. That's the one thing that's not guaranteed. Michelle, before we go, what, yes. what gives your life meaning? Well, that's actually a very easy question for me. So um, I believe that we're all here for the same purpose And the purpose is to do good. I think every human being is actually here on the planet to do good. Some people forget that's their purpose. Some people, um, you know, have mental health issues that can't, they can't see the simplicity in that. So, but I do believe that our purpose is um, to do good. And so we derive meaning 
from how we individually decide to do good. So for me, I der- derive meaning from the good that I am able to do in helping people get really, really clear. Um, and the the connection and community that I feel with my clients and my friends and my children um, because we've gotten to a place of clarity, because we're working on that together, is is deeply satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. Was that the answer? Was I supposed to say shoes? <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't think you were going to say shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so, how about you? What do you? What, how would you characterize your? What gives your life meaning? Gosh, yours is so articulate. So. You'd um, think I practiced, which I did think? not. And I, I, so let's, let me see how I can fumble through this. So the thing that's really important to me is helping people um, be who they are, right? And move through their obstacles. So like when I, I, whether it's building community, um, working with people where they can see the essence of who they are and how beautiful it is and the strength and I want to say the power, but not in that, you know, like powerful, I'm better, you know, better than you, but where they can stand in their own power, that really gives meaning so that people can show up and do their work and bring their skills and gifts to the world so that we can all connect and we can evolve. Does that make sense? Yes. Perfect. It's beautiful. So that's, I mean, that's the thing that I think, um, no, it's not that I think. It's what fuels me to have the long days that I do because on paper, the idea of it kind of really sucks, the long days. Mm-hmm. I, I really want your life. <laughs> Bring it, sister. I got an extra room. You can come on. I'm working on that space. <laughs> I mean it, but you know, the thing is, is that I, I, I do have a fabulous life. I mean, it's not like fabulous, like Kardashian life, but it's fabulous for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, because I've consciously created everything. I, I eat what I want to eat. Even when my kids lived here, I, you know, I, there's very little th- that I have, I feel an obligation to do. Mm-hmm. And there's something very freeing about that. And um, I have good, strong boundaries which don't um, exclude, they actually allow me to include. And so, you know, it's, and, and it, it's taken, you know, a lifetime to be in that position. So, I mean, it's doable and you do have to be conscious. You have to be woke and you have to focus. Mm-hmm. No, and, and I look at, cause I mean, gosh, I, my life is full and this is my choice and I totally get that. And I'm also looking at creating more white space. Mm. And being comfortable with that because, you know, I've spent a lifetime. I used to be that really, really busy, frenetic person because that was a way to prove my worthiness. And I'm not interested in that, but my life is still full. But, um, you know, and as I watch myself evolve, I'm following you. Well, (laughs) it's just like, what do I believe? You know, I believe that I matter and I believe that I'm loved. Mm -hmm. And so once I think once you get to that place, any of us is and you know it in your deepest marrow then the rest is just a lovely experience so it's no no hustle for worthiness as you would say right yeah and yeah to know that you matter and that you're loved done there's no drama in the head no right it's done there's absolutely it's not even up for discussion and Mm -mm. one of the things i have to say i mean i do i live a full life and i do i am amazed because i do live my dream 
And sometimes I say that I do live somebody else's dream, but, <laughs> but most days I do. I'm like, wow, you know, I, the, all the work that I get to do, um, is, is phenomenal. And I do love that, but I'm also learning how to love more white space. Yeah. Well, definitely your work, your work makes an impact and you just even looking at, you know, the reaction to all your podcasts and, um, you know, your happy clients and your wonderful kids and your happy husband and your family and everybody. I mean, you really have created a life that matters. And, and so I think taking credit for that is a pretty lovely thing. It's really cool. Like this week I was telling my husband yesterday is that my clients are just killing it. You know, and some of it's not sexy. Like I have a client who I worked with for a couple years and she got to this place and I finally looked at her and I said, you're shame resilient, mm. right? And and that's not sexy. That's not like what she was. Yeah, I didn't even know signing up with you. That's what I'd get to. Mm-hmm. But how powerful that is. It's it's like what you're talking about, your belief systems. I matter. What I do is important. I'm, I'm you know, I'm loved deeply. Mm-hmm. Like when you can realize like, okay, I can feel this shame and I can move through it and it doesn't take me down and I can make decisions and I can have confidence in myself it gets rid of so much drama. Then that gives you the white space. Yeah. So it's, it's, so I'm, I feel very privileged to be able to do this work. Um, and, uh, I've just got some really cool clients that, you know, are, are doing, they're doing their work and their results are paying, you know, are showing them of what's possible for themselves. So, well, Michelle, thank you. It's time to end. You can probably hear my dog shaking their collars. Like, Aren't you going to get off that thing in a minute and come play with us? You know what I'll be doing next. Thank you so much for having me. It's always such a pleasure. It is always a pleasure. I love these conversations every month. So thank you so much, Michelle. One thing I want to point out is that Michelle is rooted in this place of enoughness. She's rooted in wholehearted living, which is this idea that you are enough. You're imperfect and you're enough. And you think about her beliefs, right? I matter. What I do is important. Now, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you are still struggling with, am I worthy? So these are great questions. Here's the thing that I invite you to do before you ask yourself these questions, because if you're rooted in shame, you can turn these questions into self-beating, into evidence of how you're just a loser or you're just a piece of baloney, right? Whatever it may be. You want to make sure that you set yourself up. And this is the same with goal work when I work with clients is get yourself grounded in love and compassion for yourself. And maybe that's hard for you. I spend a lot of time with clients working on that and it takes that it can take them a while. So if this is new for you, get yourself grounded. Maybe it's in calm, maybe it's in confidence. Maybe you need to go and look at, okay, where are the areas that I do really well and remind yourself and fill yourself up with that feeling of when you do that thing. And maybe you're just a, you're a great mother, not just a, you're a great mother and you're like, okay, this is, this is what it feels like. And this is how I do well. And I'm very confident. Or maybe you're really good at leading a team at work, or maybe you're a really good friend get into that space and then sit down and do these questions. That I think is so important because you want your, we call it energy, right? You, we want your emotional state to be grounded. We want your emotional state to be peaceful. If you're in that 
fearful or shame, you're, you, the feeling state's not going to feel good. You're rooted in scarcity. You're rooted in fear. And think about when you're rooted in those places, how do you show up? How do you act? When you, it really diminishes. When we're rooted in fear, we get perceptual blindness. And that's where these questions can become difficult. And that's why I said in the show with, with Michelle is there aren't any right answers. And remember that this, you're not getting tested. This isn't going to get you into college. It's not about having the right answer. And so often people are so hard on themselves because like, I, I, I got to do it perfectly. I have to get the right answer right now. There's a form that I'm filling out and it's just an informational thing. And all of a sudden I was like, I, I did every other question except this one because I made it a bigger deal, right? And I will circle back and finish it this afternoon. I forgot that I didn't even do it. And there's another thing that I need to do and fill it out, but I do get stuck even myself. So I give you that in the sense that these questions, they're amazing questions. Get yourself grounded in the best of you and then sit down. And remember, you may need to give yourself permission that you can change it. Just like the car. I mean, the car was such a interesting experience. Like my girlfriend had said to me one day, because she knows in the process of buying a car and she goes, Oh, how's your car saga going? I'm like car saga. There's no way that I want to look at this from that. Right. I don't want to be in a place of fear because then I will not probably want to show up and do it. I'll just say, forget it. I don't need it. I don't want to go into approval, whoring or people pleasing where I buy the car because I want to the dealer to like me. We're not going to have a friendship after this. We're not even have a friendship during the process, but I will be my best self. I will, you know, be socially polite and so on and so forth, but don't buy the car because I'm trying to get somebody else's approval. And so this car was just a fascinating thing because as she talks about this change is there was a change and for me to get comfortable with that. And one other thing that we didn't talk about, we talked about change in terms of a bad thing. There's also change in terms of a good thing. Maybe you're having a child. Maybe you're getting married. Maybe you're blending families. Maybe you're getting that dream job that you always wanted. Maybe you're making the Olympic team, right? It may be the thing you always wanted. It's going to create change. Here's what I know for sure. It can create, I like to call them shit storms because that's what they are, right? It can create drama. There's a rumbling that occurs because there may be a conflict with your belief system. Maybe it happened way easier than what's your belief system. Maybe you have a belief system that you're supposed to work really hard and go through tremendous struggle and all of a sudden this opportunity, quote unquote, fell into your lap, you know, because you're only looking at it very perceptually blind because you're in a place of fear instead of looking at, oh, if I really unpack this, here are all the seeds that I cultivated over the last four years to get this thing to easily come to me right? Or to get this client to come to me or to get this job opportunity to come to me. Here are the things that I did to cultivate it. Get yourself rooted in that place of confidence and calm and belief in yourself. And then go and look at these questions and do them. This isn't just some mental exercise. This is really do them. Ask yourself these questions. I think of my my values every single day. I think about them when I'm trying to make a decision, when I'm answering an email and I, my values are at the forefront of my mind. Now, granted, it's the work that I do, but my values are my guiding light. I go in and I listen to what are my belief systems? What are the things that I'm choosing to believe that aren't even my beliefs, but I've allowed to be programmed? I pick them up along the way somewhere. 
and really think about that. Asking yourself what you need to know and not in a shaming way. That question can be so shame provoking, can't it? Like, oh, see, you're just a dumb person. You don't even really know what's going on. You don't even know what you need to know. You're not always supposed to know what you need to know. You know, when I was first buying the car and I'd show up at the dealers, like I had this idea of what I wanted, but it was all based on the grill and four circles. Like I didn't realize that at the time. And when, and I hadn't bought a car in a long time. I didn't know the technology of cars. I didn't realize you didn't need to stick a key in the engine. Like you could just open up the door. You didn't even need to click the button to unlock the car. I had no idea. So for me, it was about putting on that growth mindset of saying, okay, let me go and have, it's in a treasure hunt. I love that. That's what I've been using lately. Going on a treasure hunt and start paying attention to what is it that I really like? What is it that I don't like? Is this really going to be important to me? Instead of listening to the salesperson saying, oh, here are all the things. Well, is that something that's even a priority in my life? Right? Paying attention to that. So learning what it is that you need to know and realizing as you go through this process, you're going to probably add stuff to the list and then there's going to be stuff where you're like, oh, not so important. So these are great questions. I can't wait to hear how you're going to use them. I'm definitely going to be using them with my clients. Um, and there are no right answers. I've said this many, many times. I really hope that you hear that because that is so important. There aren't any right answers. There's not the right way or the wrong way or the right decision or the wrong decision. That's a fixed mindset. Instead, it's about going up, going there, showing up, living your life, and then tweaking it as you go along. And maybe you go, oh, I took this job thinking that it was everything for me. And then I realized it wasn't. Or what my idea was and the reality, there's a gap. And we've had this even when we've had kids go off to schools to swim, for to colleges or universities to swim, thinking this is a great setup. It's a great school. It's a great you know swim program. The idea was very different than the reality. And we had this kid who we wound up leaving after a year because it wasn't a right fit. That's okay. None of it was a waste. And that, like when you think about what I believe, I don't believe it's a waste. I believe that they're learning opportunities. I believe there's beauty in the mess. Those are my beliefs. And then that allows it to be imperfect. That allows me to go, oh, I can make mistakes. It's not just this one fixed path, which can be really toxic for me. All right, that's enough for today. Thanks so much for listening. And go to my website at howshereallydoesit.com and sign up for the newsletter so that we can have another form of two-way form of conversation. I'm smiling big for you. Until next time.